Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for March 12th. I'm your host, Ashley Wallace. This week, we will talk to representatives of the Arkansas Department of Agriculture about the recent local conversations event in McCrory, and we'll catch up with two recent inductees into the Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame. We will also speak with Ken Perkins, an agent with the Lone Oak County Cooperative Extension Service, about the implications of the recent wet weather for planting season. First, Keith Sutton talks with Sarah Lane and Karen Reynolds with the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. They discuss the local conversations event held March 5th in McCrory and programs like Farm to School, Arkansas Grown, Arkansas Made, and Homegrown by Heroes. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, I'm in McCrory, Arkansas, and I'm visiting with two ladies from the Department of Agriculture. Sarah Lane, who is the Farm to School and Early Childhood Education Program Coordinator, and Karen Reynolds, who is the Program Manager. Welcome to AgCast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad to be here with you. Today we're at a really uh, interesting and unique event going on in Woodruff County. Uh, it's called Local Conversations. And uh, we're kind of at the, the end of the event and can look back and uh, kind of take a look at what happened over here today. Tell everybody first, what, what's local conversations? What's that all about in a nutshell? Local conversations is an opportunity for farmers and producers to connect with those who can buy their products, who want to buy their products. That way we, they can network and they can have more suppliers, vendors, to buy their their, um, their crops, whatever they produce, and um, and then the, the vendors, on the other hand, will have more suppliers, they'll have a stronger supplier network. And what I noticed today is there was just a lot of uh, interacting with each other, the farmers and the it's buyers. It, it, that conversation really fits well because it seemed to me like most of the people here, that's what they were really getting out of it. They're making new connections, meeting new people. How did you think the event went today? Were you happy with how things went? I was happy with the event. I think you're so right that part of the benefit of local conversations is that it gets people in a room together from different walks of life. They might be farmers, they might be buyers, distributors, child nutrition directors, people working to support farmers and all the, the others that fall into this. And I just loved all the discussion that was happening and the stories that were shared. Um, I appreciated everyone's thoughts on the challenges that we face in our local food system, but that we didn't end there. And we, we also talked about some successes or ways that we've overcome a few challenges. And um, one of my favorite moments was actually when one of the attendees um, expressed a problem with processing and, and another attendee said hey I can help you with that I'm here you know I've gone down this process to make my product I, I'd love to to walk you through it too and help you and I, I and I love that that happened at this event because um, we we need everyone involved in the local food system to make this a, a strong reality and to make Arkansas a great place for local products to stay and that there's infrastructure and need for that this is maybe the third local conversations event I've attended. Each one seems better and better every time. 
there's always a lot of good things to be had if you're a, a producer who's, even if you're small scale, I know uh, you had some people here today from local schools, uh, some people who have uh, businesses like farm stands, uh, some of them or have a million dollar food budget and they're buying for that. Some of them are buying just enough to get through today. Uh, but it's something if you're one of those producers and you want to make those connections, you really should come to the next one. Absolutely. And there's some more will be coming up down the line, yes, right? Will. And the, the networking is the primary reason for these, these events because by networking, then you grow your business on both ends of the supply chain. So um, they're very important and very helpful. I think we're excited too about the collaboration that we have, um, you know, yes. with the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, but we're collaborating with other partners like the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture and, and highlighting their Sharegrounds kitchen. Um, but this was really a great place and space for that. And to come to more rural um, Arkansas, which is so crucial um, that we're going all around the state and finding where people are. Um, and bring in these events to them so we can have conversations like this. So I, I love seeing the collaborations, you know, with the local county extension, with Farm Bureau, with Farm Credit. There's just so many great things and people brought this together. And I think that's what's exciting, thinking about moving forward is how can we continue to collaborate on these local conversations? And what stood out to me was how much support is out there for our producers and our farmers. There's a lot. There's a lot of support. and. It's, it's difficult sometimes, or challenging, I should say, for them to find exactly. these avenues to help them grow their business. There's a lot out there. It, it amazes me when I sit through, like I did this morning here, and hear all the resources that there are. Really, there's so many resources. You got folks hanging on to both your hands and helping you all the way through the process to be able to go from growing something to producing it where you can sell to, to other people. And that's one of the the things that we do with Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made is we try to consolidate all these resources and help you network. So you can contact the department, you can contact me with Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made and we can tell you different directions you can go to help resolve whatever issue you may have or fulfill whatever need you may have and it, we're trying to pull it all together to make it easier for our farmers and producers because they're so important to us. Well and on the flip side of that too with Farm to School, the Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made program and then also Market Maker with the University of Arkansas Excellent. are all great avenues for me to work with child nutrition directors or those who are trying to procure local foods and say hey, this is where our farmers are, you know? And these, I'm so glad that these programs exist. And, you know, being at the department with Farm to School and with Arkansas Grown and Made, there's so much overlap that we're seeing on how we really support from the farmer all the way to the customer. And if that customer is a kid or if that customer is um, just, you know, an individual in Arkansas, that Arkansas Grown and Made and the Farm to School program provide that. And it provides the connections. Well, let's let's talk a little more about the programs. Karen, you're in charge of Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made. That's a program you work with daily, I guess. Absolutely. I've got a little bit of experience to share with you. I uh, every day am looking for folks to talk to, to do podcasts yes. or do videos for Farm Bureau. And one of the best resources is your website. Thank 
you for saying that. I was a little concerned about what you're going to say. No, it's all good. It's all good. I would, I'm just constantly online looking for new story ideas. And I ran across your website one day. I've been on it before, but it has grown immensely. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of farms listed on there now and you tell where they are and how to get in touch and what their website is and what they produce it's amazing what's on that website i had no idea there were so many people i was able to go county by county in the area i cover to make a list of all the people i ought to go visit so tell us more about arkansas grown and arkansas made for people that don't know what it really is. Well, thank you for bringing up the website. It is is an important resource for everyone, really. And we find that people from outside the state will use this this website to find Arkansas-grown crops, products, and um, produce, and and meat. We we have members who are wineries, their meat, goat, cattle, um, um, vegetables. Really, any kind of food else. you can think about produced in Arkansas is somewhere on there. It is, isn't it, it? And if you're a person like me, every week during the season, I want to go buy fresh stuff. But I don't always know where to go. If I'm on the road, where do I go if I'm in Crittenden County instead of Pulaski? And all that can be found on y'all's website. Which saves time for a lot our of end time. user, our consumer, so they can go and shop at the farmer's markets or wherever this produce is available, these goods are available. And that's really the goal of Arkansas Grown, right? It's to promote our Arkansas farmers, absolutely, and, and producers and makers, absolutely. It is. Um, go ahead. So how about farm to school? Tell us a little bit about that, Sarah. Farm to School. Um, so Farm to School is a national program. There's some other, um, like the USDA, for example, supports and promotes Farm to School, and so does a national nonprofit called the National Farm to School Network. But in Arkansas, Arkansas Farm to School is a group, is just groups and individuals everywhere that are really supportive of this Farm to School movement. And so what is Farm to School? It looks at creating school gardens, um, that can be at early care centers, that can be at um, public-private schools, can be at alternative learning centers. Um, it's providing education for kids around gardening, cooking, and nutrition. Maybe even connecting it to the local standards, the academic standards that uh, teachers are, are required to meet. And then also another piece of it is local procurement, which is purchasing local foods. And that's where there's this crossover with Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made, but really supporting um, child nutrition directors as they want to purchase more and more local food and so I work um, across the board on all of that and help schools build gardens and um, help teachers feel confident teaching kids in a hands-on innovative way and I work with child nutrition directors and farmers to connect them so that this transaction can happen and, and ultimately it comes back to kids it means that our next generation they know about farming they appreciate agriculture and they're trying and tasting the food they're learning about and so when you see all three of those pieces together is where we really think there's this lasting change for them. I have uh, just in the last two weeks been to two different schools, one at Mount Judy and another at Mountain View that got garden grants from Farm Bureau mm -hmm. to start their, their school gardens. Yes. It's a big deal to the kids too, not only to be able to eat some of that produce, but to be able to grow it right there at school. Exactly, yeah, providing that option because 
I didn't have that growing up. You know, there weren't programs like this in the same way. And, and it's so important that in the learning environment where kids are already expected to learn, that we're teaching them tangible, lifelong skills about what is food. We, we all eat, right? You know, we're all a, a part of our food system. And so now when we're teaching our children, they can have hopefully a better appreciation for farming and for agriculture. And maybe some of them want to grow up and be farmers or be chefs and, and join into the actual food, local food movement. But maybe they want to be something else, but they might understand and appreciate all the work that goes into what it takes to have the food on our plate. So, Karen, how, how does your program, Arkansas Grown, relate to Farm to School? Do y'all work together quite a bit on, on your program? It's been a lot of fun, <laughs> too. I've really enjoyed working with Sarah. She's sharp, very enthusiastic and passionate. Yeah, I think there's a lot of crossover with Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made because um, over and over I'm hearing from child nutrition directors that it's hard to know where their farmers are. And so because this program exists at the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, we can collaborate a lot and we can hopefully alleviate or work towards reducing that barrier that I'm, I'm hearing over and over again. And, um, you know, child nutrition directors, their goal is to feed kids, bottom line. And so they have to make sure their kids are fed every day. And if we can help with some of the, the paperwork, with finding farmers to connect them so that some of that weight is taken off their shoulders if they want to join the farmer school movement. I think that's that's kind of where Karen and I fall into place and, and our programs are complementary to each other. On our website, there is an option uh, when, for the producers and makers if you yeah. do um, work with schools, school right. districts. Mm -hmm. And so when a member signs up, I copy Sarah on it. She immediately reaches out and says, so you're you're again you're connecting people here and there. Yeah, and another one, another one too, actually is with the Arkansas Grown Program. You have a School Garden of the Year contest, um, yeah. and that's been for the past maybe five or six years. And so every year schools can apply to the Arkansas Grown School Garden of the Year contest, and they're awarded um, funds, and it's based on their gardens and how they're using the garden in the school. So again, you see that crossover between our two programs. Um, well, and, and we're all happy too. I know anybody's got kids. You want your children to eat healthier and learn so about uh, how to uh, have a healthy diet. And these programs really uh, promote that in a lot of different ways. And you have research on how the food affects the children in the mm -hmm. classroom, don't mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see, we see increases in meal participation, which is a benefit for them, the child nutrition directors in the programs, because they're seeing more funding. We see kids trying more foods, especially when they've grown it themselves. They're willing to try it, and there's not as much fear. Um, so yes, you're so right. There's so many benefits, not just to our local economy, economy but also health benefits. The health benefits. Yeah, yeah, you definitely see that as well. And you see better grades. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more nutritious. You know, kids are fed really good food that fuels their body and their brains, and they can learn better. So definitely, yeah. So both of these programs are just wonderful that we have them here in Arkansas. Uh, so if I'm out here listening to the podcast and I want to learn more, where do I go to to find out some more information? We talked about the websites and all, but what are they? Tell, tell the address. ArkansasGrown.org. And then the agriculture.arkansas.gov. If you click on programs, which is on the front screen yes. there, 
it then will list our programs. It has more information about Arkansas Grown, Arkansas Made, local conversations is listed there too if you want to see previous events. And then there's also a Farm to School page um, where you can learn more about the Farm to School program. We also have the Homegrown by Heroes program. Yes, talk well, let's talk yes. about that a minute. This is such it's an important. It's an important program. It is for our veterans. Research has shown that when a veteran returns from military duty, that working in the farming industry is beneficial because number one, it's outside, like most of the soldiers have been outside. It's very physical, and it, it takes a, a lot of self-discipline, and they often fall into place. And so the Homegrown by Heroes is a program that that helps these farmer veterans promote their products with stickers and, and a sign that identifies this product as being produced and grown by a, a veteran, an Arkansas veteran. And pe consumers pay attention. Uh, they really they, do. They I know attention. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. much more likely to buy something that has that homegrown by hero sticker. Mm -hmm. well, and and, and so a lot of people are. Secretary Ward is a Marine, mm -hmm. and so it's Absolutely. very important to us for all kinds of reasons, but he's, he is very involved, and, and this is important to all of us. Well, these programs are important to all of us. I appreciate y'all taking time to talk a Thank little bit about them. We so uh, will hope to talk to you again in the future. Uh, go to arkansasgrown.org or agriculture.arkansas.gov. There you go. And if you just Google Arkansas Department of Agriculture, yeah. it'll pop up. That's the easiest yeah. way to do it for most of it. Yes. Well, thank you all again for being here. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you on another AgCast someday. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Next, Kenmore talks to Keith Perkins, an agent with the Lone Oak County Cooperative Extension Service. Perkins compared this spring to 2019 and discussed the prospects of being able to get this year's crop planted on time after recent rains have soaked the ground. I'm Ken Moore this morning in Lone Oak, Arkansas, and I'm standing and visiting with Keith Perkins. Keith is the staff chair for the Lone Oak County Cooperative Extension Service. And uh, Keith, as we're talking today, Yesterday was a pretty nice day. In fact, last week was a good, dry week, the first week of March. But here we are on March the 11th, and guess what? The rains come back, and uh, it's raining right now as we speak on our cropland here in Lone Oak County. And I thought we'd just do a little update, uh, you know, about here we are two and a half months into this new year. Compare where we are right now in mid-March to where we were a year ago at this time. Last year at this time, of course, we had uh, a real wet harvest in 2018, uh, rutted a lot of our fields up, and then we stayed really wet through this time of year and really didn't get much ground prep done. Uh, this last fall, fortunately, early harvest was not as bad, and, and we didn't rut up very many fields at that point in time. Um, we was able to do a little bit of fall tillage, not much, but last week uh, we had a lot of tractors rolling, and we were able to get quite a bit of field work done uh, during that seven-day period. That was good that they had that one-week opportunity to get that field work done, but... Uh, more rain coming, and the forecast doesn't look good for the rest of this week. We're talking on a Wednesday. Looks like we've got a pretty good chance of rain all the way through the weekend. That's correct. And, and you know, looking at keeping us out of the field another 10 days, two weeks. Uh, so 
puts us towards the end of March, um, which uh, be be about ideal time to start thinking about planting some corn and rice at that point in time. And hopefully it'll dry up and we'll be able to get rolling. What are farmers, what are they telling you? I know in March, this is a month where uh, they do a uh, crop uh, outlook, a planting intentions report, if you will. I know bean prices are still low. Uh, are they going to opt for more corn than beans in Lone Oak County this year? This year, it looks like we're going to have more corn than we will beans, but it all depends on what the weather does between now and in the in the first of May. I mean, we we really want to get all our corn corn planted by that last week of April, if at all possible. And uh, if it doesn't work out for corn, then we will go back to soybeans. But planning on more corn acres. And how much uh, in the way of rice? Uh rice acres you think you're going to have in the county this year um our rice acres stay pretty consistent um of course our acres were down last year because we had a lot of prevented planted acres uh last year here in the county uh, but our rice acres stay pretty stable um we're we typically don't vary a whole lot of course that's all going to depend on what the weather does between now and in planting season now here last year over the last couple of years really but really in 2019 cotton acres down southeast arkansas south of here really increased and i think they increased pretty much statewide there was even an, a couple of new gins that have been built this year one down into shea county i understand there was another one for the first time might be the first gin built in white county to handle increased cotton acres cotton used to be big in lone oak county used to have gins all over the place here 10 years ago uh, what's cotton looking like in 2020? Um, we are anticipating more cotton acres uh, this year. Um, we had more last year than we did the year before, and we're anticipating more acres this year. We've had several new growers that have never planted cotton that's come to me and talked about uh, potential of, of planting new acres this year. So uh, we're anticipating the cotton acres will be up, but there again, depends on what the weather does. You pay attention to and believe in the long-range outlook. And, I mean, as we're talking, that rain is starting to really come down now, Keith. Now, we're undercover, but uh, just out a few feet away from us, it's pouring rain right now. That's not a good thing for the soils, right? We've got plenty of soil moisture, right? Uh, and it takes, even if you get a couple of dry days, it, how long does it take for it to dry out? If we get another two, three inches, four inches of rain, over the next three days, how long will it take for the ground to dry before they can get equipment on the field again? Uh, you know, that's an excellent question, and it depends on where you're at in the county. We have some ground that floods, and, uh, you know, you may be looking at three or four weeks before the water even goes down off those acres. Uh, the ground that's what we would consider high ground, uh, a lot of times you're talking, depends on what the sun and wind does, uh, but you're talking at least uh, five to seven days after a rainfall, especially when your ground's already wet before we can get back in the field. So we need more than just one or two days of sunshine. Correct, we do. And, and hopefully we'll get that, but the next 10 days doesn't look promising. I was talking to a forecaster with the National Weather Service about three weeks ago, at the uh, right about the 1st of March, or end of February, and I asked him, give me a three-month outlook, March, April, and May. At that time, Keith, he said that uh, the month of March, according to their weather models and outlook, March was going to be uh, perhaps drier than normal, a little bit uh, drier than normal. It, and first week, last week was. We didn't have any 
real significant precipitation all the way through the weekend. Then we got some rain on Monday. We had a dry day yesterday, and now here comes another pretty significant system. But he did say for April and May, above normal rainfall. That doesn't sound good for the planting season. It, it does not, and, and hopefully uh, we won't run into the situation we did last year where uh, we got late planting our corn, cotton, rice, and, and even our soybeans. So we were extremely late and wind up having more preventive planted acres last year in the state of Arkansas and especially here in Lone Oak County than ever before. Well, I think Lone Oak County is kind of a, a good model for most of the Delta in many respects. You uh, have a lot of excellent uh, producers here, and, and, you know, given the opportunity, they'll get good yields and a good harvest. But uh, how challenging is this, and what's the attitude of the growers that you talk to as they're getting ready? They want to get that seed in the ground here over the next several weeks. What are their spirits and attitudes like? Well, you know, um, Farmers are extremely optimistic, and uh, they're always hoping for that weather to break and, and be able to get in there and get our crops planted. And um, we don't really know what it's going to be like three weeks from now, but we know right now it's it's not favorable. Yeah, and, and if they have some challenges come April and May, and I know we need warmer weather. We have been a little bit above normal with the temperature when the sun shines, and so that helps. You know, we have these periodic showers and rain systems that come through all the way through, say, to the end of April. Uh, that's got to be pretty discouraging. It, it will be, and, and hopefully uh, we won't have that happen. But if we have rain between now and it stays wet till to the end of April, it's, it's going to be pretty uh, bad looking for, for everybody, especially our corn and, and rice acres. Keith, how long have you been working here for the Extension Service in Lono County? Uh, I've, I've been here 21 years in Lone Oak County. How would you compare the last two to three years, going all the way back to 2018 when we had that challenging harvest uh, in 2018? You know, it was a kind of a wet fall. It started raining in the fall of 18, didn't even really stop until midsummer last year, if you want to call it that. Uh, com- in, over your career and experience, how challenging has this uh climate been it seems like the uh, weather patterns are kind of changing to the point where even in the summertime in june and july we're still not getting really a lot of dry weather um, i would say the past two years and this year's shaping up just like those have been uh where, we, where we've been extremely wet uh wetter than normal and uh, been extremely challenging from planting and harvesting standpoint but the farmers are going to find a way to get a yield talk about how research new technology and if they just get that window like we did last September, they can overcome those challenges and still get a good harvest. That is correct. Uh, we do know that uh, we, our yields are better today than they were five years ago, and it's it's all due to uh, um, our varieties that we produce and the technology we produce and the ability to control our pests better than ever. And you're located right here with the research station. A lot of our research uh, for the University of Arkansas is done right here in Lone Oak County. And uh, they're coming up with a lot of new varieties and uh, new technology that just helps these growers increase their yields, aren't they? That is correct. And uh, every year we, we seem to get a little bit better on our yields and are able to produce a few more bushels on a little less uh, money and a little fewer acres. I was at the uh, Arkansas Soybean Association meeting earlier this year. 
they recognized those growers that exceeded 100 bushels per acre. When they first started that soybean challenge contest, and you'll remember that, we might have had one soybean farmer that, you know, won that contest that was able over five acres to get over 100 bushels. This year, I believe they recognized somewhere around six or seven. These growers are learning how to increase those yields. That is correct. And one thing that we've been able to do is increase our irrigation efficiency through the years through our, uh, of course, polypop was a big changer uh, when it come around. And, of course, our computer hose selection that we use through pipe planter and then our surge irrigation are made our water use efficiency better and in our use of surface water over groundwater is, has made our use of uh, irrigation efficiency better, increased our yields, and decreased our demand on groundwater. Well, Keith, uh, the longer we stand here, the, the intensity of the rain kind of, <laughs> it intensifies and it lets up a little bit and then it uh, comes down again. But uh, it just looks like this system is setting in today and might even linger through the next several days. Let us just keep our fingers crossed that, you know, our growers will get that window like we had last week uh, at some point down the road here. Maybe next week will be the dry week again and uh, they, this ground will dry out hopefully enough for them to get their planters in the ground and we can start getting some corn and rice planted here before too long. I thank you for your time and uh, let's just hope that 2020 turns out to be better than 2019. We sure hope so. We hope it's not as challenging, but right now it may be. I've been speaking with Keith Perkins. He's the staff chair, county extension agent here uh, with the Lone Oak County Cooperative Extension Service on this edition of AgCast. Now Ken talks to 99-year-old Gene Woodall of Little Rock, who is one of six inductees into the 33rd class of the Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame on March 6th. Woodall was instrumental in resurrecting the cotton industry in Arkansas during his 36-year career with the University of Arkansas System Cooperative Extension Service. I'm Ken Moore at the Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame induction banquet today, and I have the very high honor of speaking with Mr. Gene Woodall, one of our six inductees into the Agriculture Hall of Fame. Uh, Mr. Woodall is from Little Rock. He's 99 years old. But, Mr. Woodall, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your induction today and being recognized for the uh, legacy you have left on the Arkansas cotton industry. Talk about what this means to you today. Well, it means an awful lot, even more than words can express. It means a lot to me, plus my family. Uh, It's just an honor that I never dreamed would happen. I'm a little old Alabama boy, transplanted to Arkansas, and I made Arkansas my home all these years. I worked for the Extension Service 32 years, and I think that one of the highlights of my career was supervising the Agricultural Cotton Research Verification Program. Yes, sir. I worked on a lot of programs through the years, but no doubt this is probably one of the most productive programs I had the privilege of working with. And no doubt it's one of the highlights of my career, if not the highlight. Even though I worked with a lot of different programs, this is probably one of the most productive by far. Talk about how your research and your verification trials occurred at a time when cotton production and acreage had been on the decline. You know, at one time, early in the, uh, in the 20th century, cotton was one of our top two or three major crops. And then it declined but you and your research helped bring it back. Talk about that. Well, no doubt that cotton was on the decline, and 
production per acre was not up to where it ought to be. I think one of the main problems was that a lot of producers were not really putting their program together in such a way that every individual practice contributed to the whole. And uh, I think one of the real objectives of the verification program was to verify how effective our research and extension recommendations were. Most of our recommendations performed quite well. However, a few needed some modification. And uh, through the efforts of this program, we were able to show that putting together a total package together was able to increase yields substantially. And uh, that's what we really needed. Uh, we went from, well, a little over a bale per acre to a little, little better than 600 pounds of lint per acre during that period. It was self-satisfaction self to see this development occur. Yes. And, and then the producers, uh, in today's uh, environment with the technology that has come along since that time, they depend so much on research, on learning how to get better yield. And I was at a meeting of cotton growers just a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about how they can get good yields, but they also have to be profitable. And so a lot of it is based on price and then lowering input costs. So talk about how you see the cotton industry today. Well, of course, cotton would make a real comeback if it wasn't for the fact that corn is subsidized. The ethanol program is really cutting into the cotton profitability. If we can really keep our costs down, that's the main thing. Uh, you know, you can keep putting inputs into it, but finally get to the point it's not cost-effective. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. keeping costs down is one of the main problems. And so what role does uh, research ongoing today with the University of Arkansas and the Extension Service mean? How do you see that playing out? What's the future of the industry? Well, I think the future's good. Uh, it'll make a comeback. It's just a matter of time. Uh, too many people rely on cotton. It's one of the better fibers available. And uh, no doubt it's going to make a comeback sooner or later. I know your family's very proud. Uh, you had a great, great career. Uh, just one final word about what it meant to you to work for the University of Arkansas and the Extension Service. It's a great team of individuals all working together to make agriculture in Arkansas successful. Well, I cherish the fact that I work for the Agricultural Extension Service. It provided me an opportunity to work with farm people, which I cherish. Uh, and work in an area of agriculture that means a lot to me. I grew up on a cotton farm, and uh, cotton was kind of in my blood, and I have really enjoyed my career. I hope I left a, a good legacy behind. Well, you certainly did, and again, congratulations on your induction into the Hall of Fame uh, with five other outstanding individuals today. Thank you, sir. been speaking with Mr. Gene Woodall of Little Rock, one of our six inductees into the 33rd class of the Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame on this edition of AgCast. Keith Sutton caught up with George Tidwell, 
another of the six new Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame inductees after the induction ceremony. Tidwell talks about his long career in agriculture aviation. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Welcome to AgCast. Today I'm talking with Mr. George Tidwell, who is one of the six inductees into the Arkansas Agriculture Hall of Fame today in Little Rock. Mr. Tidwell, thank you for agreeing to talk with us a little bit. What what does this honor mean to you today? Oh, it's just overwhelming. It's just absolutely great. I am so humbled to be mentioned in the same role as the ones before me and the ones today. And uh, it's, it's just very special. I know you've had a long career in agriculture, and it seems like from listening to your speech today, you've touched just about every part of agriculture you can think about. But I know one facet of that that really is near and dear to your heart is aviation. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Tidwell Flying Service and how it came to be? Well, Tidwell Flying, first let me start out by saying that ag aviation has come a long, long way. You know, there was the old ag airplanes, they had World War II trainers that they had two seats and they put a, a hopper in one seat and the pilot flew it from the back seat, hopper in the front, put a dispersal equipment on it, you know, spray or spreader, whichever. A lot of dust went out then, there was no spray. They built a spreader, a lot of them was built out of plywood, and there was two kinds of crop dusters at that time. Those that was crop duster pilots, those that had, and those that was gonna have an engine failure. I had five. Never tore an airplane up, but I put them in some places. I almost tore them up getting them out, uh, taking the wings off of them and places like that. But I've been very fortunate. Just wasn't my time. I was one of those guys standing at the end of the field waving that flag once upon a time. It's really come a long, long way. Absolutely. The GPS has revolutionized the swath marking system across the field. A lot more accurate than humans. You know, some guys forget what step they took. And, and uh, you know, they may be supposed to take 8, 10, 12. They might only took 9. Well, it's hard to calibrate an airplane if you don't get the right swath. But the GPS has revolutionized that. It is real, so precision. You can fly a line across the field within, if you want to really get it sensitive, within an inch, but 10, 12 inches, you know. So you've uh, really seen a lot of changes in technology, and I know one of your personal goals on some of the boards and things you worked on was to be sure that science was at the forefront of things that were happening. Is that correct? It is, absolutely. It is formal. I... When I was at the Arkansas State Plan Board, we had a lot of chemical companies coming on with new products. We wouldn't consider it until they took it to the wheat scientists, the researcher scientists at the University of Arkansas, and tell us what we could expect out of this product. Whether it would stay on the target area, where it would gas off, 
part produced real fine droplets that was lighter than air and just drift around in humidity. It's, science is a must in agriculture. You've seen so much change as far as science and technology. Do you have a crystal ball you can look in? What do you think we're going to see in the next 10 or 20 years? Uh, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? It is hard to imagine. We've come a long way. I mean, agriculture is in a, in a excellent position right now. All we need is just stronger prices. I mean, we got all, we got modern day tractors, combines, cotton pickers. Who would ever thought you'd see a cotton picker go across the field picking six rows at a time in three bale cotton and rolling it up like a roll of hay and wrapping it, kicking it out on the end. There's so much yet to come. We're glad you're here today to be recognized for all of your many contributions to agriculture in Arkansas. And thank you for taking a few minutes to talk with us today. Thank you. That'll do it for this week. Arkansas Oddcast returns next week with more on Arkansas's largest industry.